0: Romans chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, and the theme of this morning's message is salvation without religious deeds. Romans 4, 9 to 12. Let us hear God's word. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised, or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. This is God's word. Let us once again pray. Our God and our Father, as we come now to a time of hearing from your word, we do ask that you would speak to us. That Lord, you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. May our hearts and our minds be open to receiving the word of truth and may we hear the Saviour's voice. Lord, please be with me as I preach. May I know the liberty of the Spirit. May I have the unction that comes from you and may I faithfully set forth the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, it was a few weeks ago that we started our study in Romans chapter 4. And when we began this chapter, we started off by asking a big question. And that question was, how was someone saved in the Old Testament? How were the Old Testament saints converted? And as we looked at that question, we saw that a faulty understanding has entered into the mind of many There is this misunderstanding today that says in the Old Testament, before Jesus, people were saved by their works. But today, in the New Testament and in our day and age, people are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. However, what we saw in Romans chapter 4 is the Apostle Paul says that's not true at all. Paul says that even Abraham, even David, those heroes of the Jewish faith, they were saved not by their religious deeds, not by their works, rather they were saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, That message of salvation being by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone and to the glory of God alone is the message that runs from cover to cover in the Bible. The Bible has always taught that same message. It has never once said that you are saved by your efforts or what you do. Rather salvation is always by grace alone. Now as we come to Romans chapter 4 again, we need to keep in mind that the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of people who believe that salvation was dependent upon them and what they did. He is speaking to a Jewish audience in this passage and the Jewish people were saying that to be saved meant you had to become Jewish through circumcision and then you had to perform all the rituals, all the practices, all the deeds, and all the laws that come with the Jewish religion. And that is why the Apostle Paul, in our passage this morning, once again appeals to Abraham. He points back to Abraham and says, look, I think you guys have got it wrong. Abraham, that father of the faith, that father of all the circumcised people, he was not saved. Through His works. Paul says rather he was saved through faith in the Messiah. Now no doubt when the Apostle Paul mentioned this, when the Apostle Paul brought up that we're saved not by religious deeds, the, the Jews who were listening would have had questions arise in their minds. Uh, They would have heard that statement that your works contribute nothing to your salvation and they would have thought, well, what role then do religious deeds play? If we're not saved by our religious deeds, then what is the purpose of them? What is the point of them? Now, the Jewish people love their rules and regulations. If you ever study the Jewish history of the Jewish religion, you would see that they had long lists of things that they could and could not do. They had rules upon rules and rules on how to even establish rules. They loved their rules. They loved their lists. And they said, if you do all this, you'll be saved. Now, I personally love lists. I, each week, I start my working week by making a list of things to do. I like lists. And the reason I like them is they help me get organised. But lists never do the work for me. Lists just tell me what I have to do and then at the end of the week they tell me what I failed to do. But the Jews, on the other hand, when they made a list, they put up the list and said, right, if I do all these things, then I'll be saved. They said, if I do all these laws, all these commandments, all these works if I try really, really hard, then at the end of the day, I'll be saved. That's what the Jews taught. And over the years, the Jewish rabbis kept adding laws and laws and there was this heavy bondage put on the people. You know, if you have to try and earn your way to salvation through your efforts and your work, you're always going to have bondage over you. You're always going to be under a weight because you never know if you've done enough. Have I tried hard enough? Have I done enough good deeds? What if I had to pray for 20 minutes but I only prayed for 19? Does that mean all is lost? If you live under a system of rules, you have no hope. But the Apostle Paul comes along here in Romans chapter 4 and says regulations and rules and religious deeds and practices, they mean absolutely nothing when it comes to salvation. He says they contribute nothing to being right with God. Now this went against the mindset of the Jews and indeed it goes against the mindset of today. The common mindset in our society today, and perhaps you think this way also, is that to be saved means you must do certain things. Uh, So many people think that we must do something to merit our salvation. Perhaps if I do good deeds. Perhaps I work really hard. Perhaps if I excel at my religious practices, then God will let me into heaven one day. And that's a common thought. Now, sometimes the religious deeds that we do can be good things. Some people say, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I go to church, then that's a good deed. And indeed, they are good deeds, but none of those good deeds will save you. You should read your Bible. You should pray. You should go to church, but that won't get you to heaven. But people say, if I do these things, then perhaps the big gauge that God has will slowly start to fill up with my efforts. People seem to think that God has this big measuring stick, and when we do works, we add a little bit to that measuring stick, and eventually, if we get to the top, God will say, well done. But that's not how God works, but that's what we often think. Uh, several years ago, I had the opportunity of going through Romania preaching. And Romania is a very much an orthodox country. The orthodox church is massive there. But the church teaches a system of works-based salvation. And as we travelled through the country, those we were with said, Brother, we need to stop here at an orthodox monastery. And I thought, I don't really want to stop at an orthodox monastery. I'm not orthodox. Why would I go to the monastery? He said, brother, it's one of the World Heritage Sites. It is known as the Sistine Chapel of the East. So we stopped and we went up to this monastery. But what struck me was not the paintings and the glamour of that monastery. What struck me was just how hopeless the place was. It was hopeless because it kept saying, works will save you. As we walked towards the monastery on either side of the road, there were salesmen hawking their wares saying, buy this, say this prayer and you might get to heaven. When you entered into the monastery, you encountered many women, women who were there trying to fill the gauge up so they could get to heaven. In fact, a number of the women there were guilty of grievous sins and their family had sent them there in the hope that they could earn their forgiveness. But then in the centre of the monastery we came to a giant fresco that depicted the final judgment. This is what the monastery was famous for. This giant painting. And if you look at the painting, you can see the scenes of Judgment Day presented. But as you look closely, you see there's this angel holding out scales. And as you look at the painting, you see that one side is tilted down with sin. But then the angels start pouring in our good religious deeds. And the implication is if you keep doing enough, eventually you'll all balance out. But the next thing showed what happened if you didn't do enough. It showed a person being cast headlong into hell. The message was very clear. They were saying do works do religious deeds and you will be saved. Which is exactly what the Apostle Paul is addressing here in Romans 4. He's saying it won't help you. You can't do enough deeds. You can't do enough works. Yet that is the thought of humanity today. Works equals salvation. So Paul says let's look at Abraham. Let's look at him. Let's examine what he did. Let's examine the religious work of circumcision, that that act where the foreskin was removed. Let's look at Abraham and his work and ask the question, was Abraham made right with God before or after the religious deed was done? And that's the question Paul puts to his readers. You think you are saved by your efforts and your deeds? What about Abraham? Was he made righteous with God before or after he performed religious deeds? And the answer to that question will speak very clearly to us on how we too can be made right with God. So I want you to notice in verses 9 to 10... The circumcision of Abraham. Now we're dealing with Old Testament language, Old Testament passages here. I know as Christians we can focus heavily upon the New Testament. But I would suggest that is something that is foreign to biblical Christianity. As Christians we are to take the entire Bible. God has given us a complete revelation. We should know the Old Testament because the Old Testament all points forward to Jesus. And we should know the New Testament because it all points back to Jesus. We should know the Old Testament because from Genesis right through to the end of Malachi we see the Old Testament painting a picture of God's redemptive plan. And we should also know the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation because we see that redemptive plan being enacted. We must know the Bible. The Bible is 66 books but it all tells us the same message. Salvation through Christ alone. Moreover, we are told in the New Testament that what happened in the Old Testament was actually given for our learning, for our examples. So when you read here in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham and circumcision and you see the references to Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, don't think that's all for back then. No, that is for our learning. That is for our instruction So as we come and look at this Old Testament language, we need to see that what Paul is pointing to is the fact that throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, religious deeds do nothing to save a sinner from hell. Now the Jews, on the other hand, would disagree with Paul. And that's why he appeals to Abraham. The Jews said, be circumcised, be Jewish and be saved. And Paul says, let's talk about Abraham." Let's look at Father Abraham, notice verse 9-10. to Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Here we have a reference back to Genesis, back to the first book of the Bible. In fact, it's a reference to Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. And in those chapters, and I would encourage you to read them after the service. When you get home, make yourself a cup of tea, open your Bible, read Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. In those chapters, what you will see is that God is showing amazing grace towards Abraham and his descendants. What God has chosen to do is enter into a loving covenant relationship with Abraham. In Genesis 15 we see that God makes a covenant promise to Abraham and he says from Abraham one would come who would bless all the families of the earth. Now we know from the completion of God's revelation that that promise was fulfilled in the Messiah. That promise was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is through the Lord Jesus that we are blessed. Now the blessing spoken of is the blessing of salvation, is the blessing of sins forgiven. It is the blessing of relationship restored with our Creator. It is the blessing of being in covenant relationship which only comes through the death and resurrection of Christ. The Bible here says that Abraham was promised all this that God entered into covenant relationship with Abraham and said, from you a Saviour will come. And we are told in the text that Abraham heard this, he heard the promise, and he believed. He believed. He trusted. He had faith in God. And we're told in the Bible that that faith resulted in God declaring Abraham as righteous. In other words, Abraham was rescued from his sins. He was made right with God through faith in the Messiah, through faith in Jesus. Now when you read Genesis 15, notice something. There is no religious works. There's no efforts. There's no declaration that Abraham did certain things and then God said, congratulations, you're forgiven. No, it simply says, Abraham had faith. Read through the chapter when you get home. Read through the text and ask, how many works did Abraham do before being made righteous? And the answer is none. There's no works, there's no efforts, there's no attempts. There's simply faith in God. Abraham was blessed and he received that blessing by faith. Now the Jews reading this will be saying, hang on a second. That doesn't fit with what we believe. So Paul says to them, does this blessedness come upon the circumcised only or also upon the uncircumcised? Who's it for, Paul says? Who did it come upon? Now the Jews would say, this blessing only came upon those who were circumcised. And Paul says, what about Abraham? What about Abraham? Was he circumcised before he was made righteous? Well, the text says no. Abraham was not circumcised when he was made righteous. In fact, Genesis 15 says, Abraham believed God and he was declared righteous. But then two chapters later, Abraham was circumcised. That's 14 years later. If you look at the narrative, it's 14 years later. Abraham believed and he was made righteous. Then, as a result of being made righteous, he performed religious deeds. Now the Jews said circumcision is needed for salvation. Paul says, well, Abraham was saved before that. Abraham was saved without works. If works are needed for salvation, then what about Abraham? He's laboring his point because he wants us to see the folly of thinking that we can earn our way to heaven. He's laboring the point because he wants us to see that it's foolish for us to think that we can do enough good deeds to be saved. Rather, what we see in the text is this. Salvation is not by religious works. It's by faith in Christ. But then we also see that those who are saved, those who have been rescued by Christ, will do religious deeds. Notice carefully, it's not just a faith to sit back and do nothing. No, you're saved by faith, and then if you're genuinely converted out of love for the Saviour who has rescued you, you will then want to do right religious deeds. The difference is you are doing those deeds because you are saved, not to be saved. That's the big difference. The Jews said, do works to be saved. Abraham said, I did works because I was saved that's the big difference Abraham is righteous and because he is righteous he followed the command to be circumcised likewise if you are converted if you love the Lord Jesus Christ if you have been made righteous by faith in the Saviour you will do religious deeds religious works not to be saved but because you love Jesus That's the difference. That's the big difference. Salvation produces religious works, but religious works do not produce salvation. But people get things the wrong way around. They say, oh, no, 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 I, I must do. I must work. I must have efforts. If you were to look at many of the religions of the world or indeed survey different churches in this land this morning... You would find that many of them would say, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be forgiven of all your sins, if you want to be made right with God, then you must do worse. And this nation of ours, this world of ours, is filled with billions of people who live under the lie that says, I must do, and then God will save me. Now at its heart, that's pride. Pride says it's all about me and what I do. Pride says I will earn my own way to heaven. Pride says I can rescue myself. That is pride. Humility says I can't save myself. I can't rescue myself. I need the love and grace of God. I need the Saviour. Yet so many people would say, my efforts, my works, my deeds, they will all get me to heaven. They're sincere in their views, but they are sincerely wrong. They are sincerely wrong. Uh, Let me illustrate that sincerity does nothing to help with salvation by taking you to Bangalore. We're going to go to Bangalore. Now, in 2014... In Bangalore, India, there was a marathon, and this was in the news, and it was quite entertaining to read of this story. But in the marathon, there were three contenders who were known as the ones who were going to win. And they were running the marathon course, and as they were two and a half miles into the course, what happened was their pace car took a wrong turn. Now, the marathon runners didn't know that the car had gone the wrong way. So they kept following their pace car. And the news report says they didn't realise they had gone the wrong way until the crowds disappeared. And they had to then beg for money to get a train to go to the finish line. They were sincere about their running. But they were running the wrong way. All that effort they put into running and trying to beat the person next to them and to beat the crowds meant nothing because they are on the wrong road they are on the wrong path likewise those who say I must do deeds to be saved I must do efforts to be converted they are on the wrong path they are running the wrong direction they are running far from God any religion any church that says you can save yourself is running far from the God of the Bible they are running far from the Lord Jesus Christ I'm reading a book at the moment, a testimony of a Mormon missionary who was converted to Christ. And he said, one of the things that really angered him as a Mormon missionary is when he met pastors who would say to him, young man, I see you are sincere. I know you truly believe what you believe, but you and I have a different Jesus. You're running from Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible came, ran to me and rescued me. And he said it annoyed him, this concept that he was running far from Jesus. But any system that says work, effort, deeds, religiosity is running far from Jesus. But there is one religion that says you cannot save yourself. There is one religion that says your efforts mean nothing. There is one religion that says the only hope for you is for God to be merciful to you. There's only one religion that says God will save sinners. Not by efforts, not by deeds, but through faith in Christ. And that is the religion of biblical Christianity. That is the religion the Apostle Paul preaches here. It's a religion that says it's not about you, it's not about efforts, it's not about what you do. Rather, it's a religion that's all about Jesus Christ. And that's what Christianity must be about. It must always be about Jesus and what he has done. We can't do it. We can't save ourselves. We can do nothing. That is why we desperately need the Saviour. That is why we need Christ. If we could do it, then Jesus would never have died. But the mere fact that Jesus died on the cross for sinners and rose again from the dead, it says it's all about Him. It's all about His merit. It's all about what He achieved. It's not about you. Christianity says you are lost. Your best is as a filthy rag in the sight of God. Christianity says there's none good, no, not one, but there is a good Saviour. Jesus Christ the righteous, and if you would have faith in him, then like Abraham, you would be counted as righteous. Abraham had faith in Christ, and he was made right with God. And if we would turn from our sins, if we would trust in the Saviour, if we would have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for us, and the one who rose again from the dead, then it does not matter what you have done. Christ says, I will make you righteous. Salvation without religious deeds. It's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. If I could earn my way to heaven by my deeds, then I could say, God, you get a bit of the glory, and so do I. God will not share his glory with another. Abraham saved by faith, not religious deeds. He was justified before circumcision. Fourteen years before circumcision. That should be the final nail in the coffin of religious works. But notice verse 11 and 12 as we begin to wrap this up. The example of Abraham. The text says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision circumcision, to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Here is why God says, let's look at Abraham. Here is why God says, this is why we have the example of Abraham and the two-chapter gap before circumcision. He says the whole point of that is so that you might realise that your religious deeds do nothing. Moreover, it tells us you don't have to be Jewish to be saved. There's this whole trend today that says, let's keep the Jewish laws, let's keep the Jewish festivals. That was what pleases God. No, it's not. Jesus pleases God. Not what we do. And we're told here that Abraham, before he was circumcised, before he had the sign of Jewishness, he had faith in Christ and God was pleased with him. He was made righteous. So all those who are non-Jewish, who have faith in Jesus, they, like Abraham, would be made righteous. But those who have been circumcised, those who are of the Jewish belief, if they would have faith in Christ, guess what? they too will be made righteous, not because they were circumcised, but because of Jesus. This is the example of Abraham. That's what the text says, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are of the uncircumcision. In other words, you don't have to be Jewish. And he might be the father of the circumcision. So if you're Jewish and you have faith in Jesus, you're righteous too. There's one way of salvation. Jesus and Jesus alone. It's a message of hope. It's a message that says you don't have to be circumcised, you don't have to be Jewish, you don't have to perform religious deeds to be saved, you don't have to be baptised, confirmed, read your Bible, go to church, or do any efforts to be saved. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And I'm going to keep banging that drum because I know how easy it is for us to step into the mindset that says, right, right, what must I do? Instead of saying, right, what has been done? Christ has paid it all. All my sin. The scales that were tipped against me because of my sin. Christ has come along and he says, let me remove that sin. He doesn't balance it out doesn't give you a clean slate and say right now from now on try harder work better see what happens no he doesn't do that no he comes along he takes that sin on the scale he gives it to himself he becomes sin for us on the cross so that when we are in him when we have faith in him we are counted as perfectly righteous there's no scales just the free grace of god And we see that with Abraham. Abraham was declared righteous by faith. And we too can be declared righteous by faith. I'm going to keep hitting this point. Because I need to constantly remind myself of it. You need to constantly remind yourself of it. And our world needs to hear that message. Justification by faith alone. Righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. Not me and my efforts. Salvation freely given through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no salvation that can be purchased by our deeds. It's freely offered to Christ by Christ. So let me ask you a question this morning. And the way in which you answer this question will determine what you're trusting in. It's a simple question. Why will you go to heaven? Ask yourself that question. Why will you go to heaven? If your answer is, I am going to heaven because I am trusting in Jesus and what he did for me through his death and resurrection, then the Bible says you are righteous. But if you answer by saying, well, I hope I'm going to heaven because I try really hard. I give my best. I do what I can. I do certain deeds," Then the Bible says you are unrighteous and you don't know God. Uh, Let me stress, you cannot be made right with God through your deeds. You cannot earn it. Abraham was given it before his religious deeds. Abraham was made righteous before he did anything. The text says Abraham had it while still uncircumcised. He couldn't purchase it. He couldn't earn it by his efforts. It was given to him freely by a gracious God. Let's draw everything together with one more story. A true story that the evangelist W.P. Nicholson used to share regularly. When I read this story, I thought it captures the picture of salvation beautifully. W.P. Nicholson tells a story of a little boy who lived in London. He lived in the slums of London. One day his mother became very unwell. And it was clear that she would soon die. As the little boy sat next to his mother, she said one thing she would really like to try before she died was a grape. Now, the slums of London aren't known for their grapes. But the little boy had recently been on a Sunday school trip to Buckingham Palace and he knew in the palace there were many grapes. So this little lad said, Mum, I'm going to get you one. He got up and he made his way to the palace in order to find grapes for his dying mother. Upon arrival, he walked up to the guards at the gates and explained his purpose, and the guards just laughed at him and said, you are not getting entrance to the palace. And this little boy stood at the gates, crying, tears falling down his cheek, thinking because he had failed his mother, his mother would not get a grape. It was at that stage King Edward VII drove by And King Edward saw this little boy crying and he ordered his driver to stop. Why should a boy be crying at the gates of the king's palace? So the king asked the boy what the problem was. Why are you crying, lad? So the boy said, my mother is dying. She is unwell. And she wants to taste the grape. And in the palace there are many grapes, but I can't get one for my mother. At that moment, the king ordered his driver to go into the palace and to grab a bunch of grapes and give it to the boy. Now, this little boy, through his tears, didn't know who he was talking to. So when he took the grapes, he put his hand into his pocket and he pulled out half a penny and tried to offer it to the king. And the story goes that King Edward began to weep and he said, my boy, the king doesn't sell his grapes. He freely gives them. Likewise, our King, our God, does not sell salvation. He does not say to you and I, try harder. He doesn't say, earn your salvation. No, our King says, here is salvation, freely given. I freely offer righteousness I freely offer eternal life to all those who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our King says salvation is free because Jesus has paid for our rescue on the cross. He died as our substitute. He died in the place of sinners. And he rose again from the dead for our justification. And now because Christ has done all that, we should out of love for him repent And believe, we should see his kindness and say, Lord, I want to follow you. We should trust in him alone. And the Bible says, if you would have faith in Jesus, then like Abraham, you'll be counted as righteous. Not by efforts or deeds that you have done, but by God's grace. God saved Abraham, not because of religious efforts. And this morning God would offer rescue and forgiveness of sins to all those who would trust in Jesus alone. This morning, search your heart, examine yourself and ask, am I trusting in Jesus alone? He offers salvation freely. Would you take him by faith and say, Lord, I need your love, I need your grace. You must save and you alone. Today, look to the Lord Jesus Christ and be made righteous along with believing Abraham. Be made righteous through faith, not by works. Let's pray. Oh, our God and our Father, we do thank you for the example of Abraham we have in Scripture. We thank you for the reminder this morning that our deeds and our efforts mean nothing, but rather you freely give salvation to all those who would have faith in the Lord Jesus. Lord, for those of us this morning who are believers, I do pray that we'd be reminded of the wonderful grace of our Saviour and that we would worship Him and honour Him and love Him. But Lord, for those that do not know you this morning, may they see the kindness of God and may that kindness lead them to repentance. May they have faith in Jesus this very day and may they be declared righteous. We pray, Lord, you do all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.